Our first reading this morning is from Exodus. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Then Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel went up. And they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven for clearness. And he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God and ate and drank. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and wait there, that I may give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment, which I have written for their instruction. So Moses, with his assistant Joshua and Moses, went up into the mountain of God. And he said to the elders, Wait here for us until we return to you. And behold, Aaron and Ur are with you. Whoever has a dispute, let him go to them. Then Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. This is the word of the Lord. The psalmody reading for today is from Psalm 2. As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Our second reading is from Second Peter, its first chapter. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were witnesses of his majesty. For when we received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as a, heart, as a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God, as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. 
The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 17th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah, talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus alone. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. May the words of my mouth, the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord. Amen. Today, we celebrate the transfiguration of our Lord Jesus Christ. And like Steve said, transfiguration means a complete change or form or appearance into a more beautiful or spiritual state. In our lessons, we hear the stories of how people are transformed in the presence of God. Surely, the presence of the Lord is in this place. Where two or three are gathered in his name, Christ is there. Will we be transformed today? As I sat at my dining room table, preparing, uh, prayerfully preparing for this sermon today, I looked out the window and I saw God's beautiful handiwork. The sun was setting. The blue sky with its white clouds slowly changed to different shades of blue, then to yellows, oranges, and reds, all reaching far across the sky. Its reflection in the water on the lake was gorgeous. A beautiful example of transfiguration. The Lord revealing himself to me every single day in his creation. I wish everybody here could see it. I guess that's why I share his sunsets on Facebook. I'm sure most of you have seen beautiful sunsets that made an impression, and you know that a picture just can never capture what it really looks like. But oh, how I wish everyone could experience the awesome beauty of our creator like I do in his sunsets from my house on the lake. Sometimes I wish they would never fade into the dark night, and maybe that's how Peter felt when he had his mountaintop experience with Christ. Our first lesson from Exodus shaped the, shaped the traditions of transfiguration that we find in our gospel lesson today. It describes Moses' encounter with the Lord on Mount Sinai that brings the season of Epiphany to a close. 
It tells the story of the covenant meal in which Moses, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and 70 leaders of the people ate and drank together with God. The communal meal celebrating the sealing of the covenant between God and his people. We don't know exactly how he revealed himself to the people, but the eyes of their hearts were opened and they knew they were in the presence of God. Moses is then called up the mountain to receive in person from God specific instructions for the people. He's the Old Testament mediator between the people and God. What we don't hear in this story, but we remember from hearing the story many times before, is that Moses is transformed both spiritually and physically in the presence of God. When he brought the tablets down the mountain, his face was radiant. In our gospel lesson from Matthew, Moses appears along with Elijah to Peter, James, and John to reveal Jesus in his full radiance as the Son of God. You see, in the Jewish tradition, the sacrificial shedding of animal blood was a symbol of atonement for their sins. In the New Testament, Jesus is the mediator between the people and God, and it is his blood shed that is the atonement of our sins. By the grace of God, through Jesus' suffering and death, we are forgiven. Our second reading for today from Second Peter is an eyewitness account of the gospel lesson from Matthew the transfiguration of Christ on the holy mountain. In Peter's letters, he was interested in sharing the knowledge of Christ as the Savior for the purpose of strengthening the Christian hope and defending it against false teachings. He encouraged people to maintain Christian integrity in the midst of a sinful world. Peter had a mountaintop experience, the highest of highs, seeing firsthand the Lord in all his glory and splendor. I can't imagine what Peter, James, and John felt standing in the presence of their Lord, transfigured right before their eyes. And they wanted to share it with others. They wanted to tell the story of their experience. But Jesus said, tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. You see, the action of God would at his time and in his way, proclaim the glory of Christ. Christ had to die in order for God's plan to be fulfilled. So they told no one until after the resurrection. Storytelling. We do it to get a point across or to share what we observed or experienced. We do it to carry on history and tradition, to remember. But more importantly, we tell stories. Jesus's stories to help the biblical stories come alive in the hearts of people, to give hope to a broken world, to help people tell their own stories of their pain and suffering, of their joys and triumphs, of deaths and resurrections, of God in work among us. I know several awesome storytellers, but today I'd like to share with you a portion of a sermon that Pastor Bob Lutze gave on February 18, 1996, at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church, telling the story of Peter's experience on the mountain. He, Peter, writes, This is not a cleverly invented myth. I saw it with my own eyes. 
So trust my lead and follow me. Peter was talking about the transfiguration. And it is as if he is saying, I know this sounds crazy and you may not believe it, but I was there and I saw what I saw. You see, Jesus took me, James and John, up this mountain. And all of a sudden, Jesus' face and his clothes began to glow like the sun. Then Moses and Elijah also appeared and began talking. And then this big cloud came over us, so we couldn't see a thing any longer. And all of a sudden, a voice was heard saying, This is my son whom I love. And man, was I scared. Later, I checked with the others, and they said they saw it, and they heard it too. Pastor Bob then said, Okay, let's be honest. Sounds a little far-fetched, doesn't it? Just the thing that makes Christianity a little hard to believe. He went on to explain how he grew up in the 60s, and when he went off to college, he was taught to think logically in engineering school, to question everything that wasn't screwed down. And if it was screwed down, unscrew it and then question it. He said he learned to analyze the Bible from every angle in an effort to separate fact from fiction in order to get a realistic faith for living in a real world. When he went to seminary, he learned biblical research, the different language forms in the Bible. He learned that there was a great deal of symbolism in the Bible, how to look for it, how to interpret it. But generally, when it's a person, place, or thing, the Bible has been proven to be true. So if Peter says this wild thing happened, then more than likely, he's telling us the truth. For Peter said, these are not cleverly invented stories. We have told you plainly what we saw and what we heard. What you see is what you get. And if you don't believe it, then that's your problem. Pastor Bob then went on to say, let's take a hard, honest look at the transfiguration account today. First of all, you have Peter, James, John, and Jesus, verifiable historical people. Secular historians attest to the fact that they do exist. Secondly, if Peter was telling, trying to tell a lie, then he wouldn't suggest the possibility that he was telling a lie to get people doubting. How clever can a down-home fisherman get? When Jesus was alive and Peter was traveling with him, he always missed the point. He didn't understand. We're talking about a basic, honest, straightforward person. Thirdly, and this is the one that is probably the most telling, if Peter did invent the story, then what for? You've got to have a reason, right? Did he invent the stories so that he could leave a good, secure, money-making fishing business and put his life on the line to tell the story of Jesus? I don't think so. So there's only one conclusion. It had to be true. Improbable as it may seem to us, there is no reason to believe that Peter was lying. There is no reason to believe that it didn't just happen as Peter said. A real Jesus had a real effect on a real Peter. Now Peter challenges us with the story of Jesus. He lays it on our laps and says, what are you going to do with the reality of Jesus? A real story of a real Jesus that has had a real effect on generations of people. Fine and good, 
But what effect does the real Jesus have on a real you? Peter says, you do well to pay attention to it. So how would you answer the question Pastor Bob raised? How do you share the effects? How do you show the effects of the real Jesus on a real you in a real world like ours today? Here are some examples that would do us well to pay attention to. Daily prayer. Pray for those with physical health issues or cancer. For those who need strength to face job stresses. For reconciliation among family members. For those suffering from mental health issues, dementia, Alzheimer's, anxiety, or depression. Pray for those who don't know love or trust God, that their hearts may be opened. For those who mourn the loss of loved ones, for those with addictions, and not only just drugs or alcohol, but addictions to food, electronics, or money, anything that takes their hearts away from the Lord. Pray for those suffering from the loss of a job and for the homeless. Pray for the parents and grandparents you know, that they be Christ-filled examples for their children and grandchildren. Make phone calls and visit those members of, the, of our church that you haven't seen sitting in the chairs next to you on Sunday. Invite your neighbors, your friends, co-workers to church. If you know someone whose church is struggling right now, invite them to come to Emmanuel to worship and serve with us. Celebrate with those who have had birthdays or anniversaries, with those who recently got a new job or a good report from their doctor. Listen. Listen to those who are struggling with change or loss of control, those who are aging, adjusting to retirement, or being empty nesters. Reach out to the children or youth of our congregation Help them with their homework or to study for a test. Tell your story, your real story of how the real Jesus speaks to a real you today, who transfigures you to serve others in this world. Even if it's in the sharing of a sunset at the end of the day or sharing a good sermon from an old friend, others need to know Jesus through you. Share the gospel. Share your faith. And now in memory of that dear friend, I'll end with the final words of Pastor Bob's sermon that Sunday 24 years ago that also comes from me to you as well. The gospel of Jesus Christ, not a cleverly invented story, but true words told to others by those who lived it firsthand. And now... I told you for one reason and one reason only that you too might hear and believe and that believing you might have life in his name. And that's your good news for today. Let's now declare our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, 
was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's pray now for the good of the church and the concerns of those in need. Lord of transforming love, when we live, live our lives on our own terms, our lives become unmanageable and chaotic. The sin of the world can harden our hearts to your word. We ask that you grant by your word and spirit our lives will be continually transformed. Help us to trust in Jesus who was transfigured in the sight of Peter, James, and John. Lord, in your mercy. God of glory, as you once revealed yourself to Moses face to face, so you have shown yourself to the world in the glory of your Son. Help us by your Holy Spirit to know him by faith, to love him with all our heart, and to serve him with all of our being. Lord, in your mercy. King of the nations, you intend all authority upon the earth to be a blessing, not a burden. We pray for those entrusted with civil authority here and in all places. Enable them to serve with wisdom, humility, and integrity. Make them to know your holy will. Your holy will. May they strive for peace among nations. Lord, in your mercy. Blessed Father, be with the sick, the hospitalized, the aged, the dying, those who are troubled in mind or heart, and those we name in our hearts now. Please help them to know and feel your presence and peace. Grant them healing and relief according to your will. Lord, in your mercy. Blessed Savior, you've made your church to be the home of all people. Let us be reminded every day that following Jesus is the single greatest opportunity of our lifetime. Help us to follow your calling to be your disciples, to know Jesus and to make him known. Help Emmanuel Lutheran be the hands and feet of Jesus in northwest Arkansas. Put the name and face of someone that needs us this week on our heart and mind. Help us to reach out to them in love. Lord, in your mercy. Into your hands, merciful Father, we commend all for whom we pray. We will trust in you and your mercy. In Jesus' name, we boldly pray. Amen. <coughs> Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. 